It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello. Joining me right here is MLB.com national editor, Matt Myers. Matt, hello. How are you today? I'm great. I, I got to say, um, we're going to do something a little different today on the StatCast podcast. Uh, this is an idea that is actually sent in by one of our listeners, um, Brock, who I thought it was, it was a really good idea. He asked me on Twitter the other day what I knew about Chad Green of the Yankees. And he was a reliever. Uh, and my answer was, not entirely all that much. I can't say I paid that much attention to him, but I looked at the stats and Chad Green has actually been fantastic. And that kind of gave us an idea. What we're going to do on today's show is we're going to look at a couple of guys who are really like helping contenders stay in the race, uh, who just have been either unheralded or totally out of nowhere, right? So for example, Chad Green has been a big part of the Yankees bullpen. Uh, and we've got a couple of guys we want to talk about here. Some of these guys we've talked about in the past, so we're not going to repeat them. We've talked about like Anthony Swarzak and Tommy Conley and these guys. But we've come up with six or seven guys here who have been huge parts of playoff contenders, and they were the opposite of expected to be that at the beginning of the season. Um, and I think the first one is uh, maybe the single biggest story, not, not biggest story, maybe most unexpected story of the season, Chris Taylor. Uh, Chris Taylor, for the Dodgers, you know, came up as a, he was a fifth-rounder in 2012, picked by the Seattle Mariners. You know, spent three seasons there trying to be their starting shortstop, 289 on base percentage, and uh, last summer was traded to the Dodgers for Zach Lee. And uh, Zach Lee is a failed first-round pick. He eventually was lost on waivers to the Padres. Now is a 689 ERA in AAA. So you can see how much Chris Taylor was valued at the time of that deal. Uh, Chris Taylor, as of today, has the highest wins above replacement of all major league left fielders. <laughs> is that insane? I mean, you think about the Dodgers are on pace to win 115 games. We all knew they were going to be good. You know, you have Turner and Kershaw and Jansen. They were going to be very good. But if you're going to challenge all-time win records, you need random guys to come out of nowhere. And uh, we're actually going to get to another one in a second. But is Chris Taylor the most surprising story of the year for you? Uh, definitely. When you think of teams challenging all-time win records with surprising performances, it makes me think of Shane Spencer with the 98 Yankees doing a similar kind of just insane, out-of-nowhere performance. Yeah, so Chris Taylor uh, right now hitting three, uh, 312, 378 on base, 550 slugging. That's a 145 weighted run created plus. He's already got 15 homers and 13 steals. Now, there are a couple things you should know about Chris Taylor. Um, while I do believe that the improvement is real, we have <laughs> we looked at nearly 13,000 player seasons on record going back over a century, and we looked at the highest batting average on balls in play, and Chris Taylor's batting average on balls in play of 408 is in the top 10. And this is a list where it's like the highest batting average on balls in play is literally 1923 Babe Ruth. You know, Ty Cobb is on this list twice. Rod Carew. The, 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 list, uh, it's, the list is ridiculous. It, it's, I think it's all Hall of Famers. Harry Heilman's got to be in the Hall of Fame, right? I, I think it's, it's all Hall of Famers. It's Babe Ruth, yeah. Rogers Hornsby, George Sisler, Ty Cobb, twice. 1922, Ty Cobb, 1913, Harry Heilman, <laughs> Rogers Hornsby again. Rod Carew and oh yeah, and Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor. <laughs> so that tells you it tells you two things, right? One is if you're on any sort of list with players of that stature, you're doing something extremely right. It also tells you that 
it is unlikely that Chris Taylor is going to maintain this um, for the remainder of the season. You know, we obviously we can look at expected weighted on base, which is the combination uh, of exit velocity and launch angle to see how likely a ball was to have been a hit with strikeouts and walks. Uh, there are 275 hitters this year who have come to the plate at least 200 times. He has the 13th largest difference, which is to say his expected weighted on base is 339. His actual weighted on base is 398. So he's slightly outperforming what he is. It's a combination, I think, of good luck for sure, uh, but also some good skill. And, uh, you know, as as this is going to be a repeating theme, I think Chris Taylor uh, last winter spent time with a private hitting coach and said, I want to emulate Justin Turner. Uh, some quotes uh, that he said is, uh, he said, Justin Turner was up and down for a while. He made a big swing change. I've pretty much my whole life, I've tried to put the ball on the ground. Well, he doesn't do that anymore. We've we've talked about these elevated guys a lot. Chris Taylor is pretty much falling into that mold uh, extremely well. Yeah, I mean, this year he has 15 homers already, as you said. In his minor league career entering this year, he had 23 homers. So it tells you a little bit about... Uh, the change uh, that we've seen yeah. with uh, with Taylor. Well, and then I think this well, this stat was sent in to us by uh, one of our friends, Casey, right? Our, our listener, Casey Bogoslaw. So Casey looked up, um, going back to batting average on balls in play here, the highest non-barrel batting average on balls in play. So we've defined a barrel as the perfect combination of exit velocity and launch angle. The average for a barrel is like an 820 batting average. It's like the best thing you can do. Uh, but there are other batted ball types that are obviously not barrels, most of which are very bad for a hitter. The highest non-barrel batting average on balls in play, Chris Taylor, 408. <laughs> so even when he's not hitting the ball hard or well or that combination, it's still landing. So I think that kind of goes back to he's been great. I think he will remain very valuable. He's not going to quite be this, right? I mean, probably not. But, you know, you, know, you, you bring back names up uh, like Murphy and Turner. These are late bloomers, guys who sort of made a change that turn their careers around, we've talked about a lot. Of course, you know, in this case, they're the luck indicators, for lack of a better term, you know, in this case, BABIP and his non-barrel BABIP that suggest uh, that, you Maybe know... Maybe not so much. So, some regression to me is coming, but hey, for a player having a career year on a, a team having a career year, essentially, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very cool hey. story, and it helps explain... Why, how the Dodgers are doing what they're doing. Right. Even a team that was well-constructed still needed to have some things go their way unexpectedly. Um, and he's certainly one of them. He's basically been their starting left fielder because Ethier's hurt and Andrew Tolles is hurt. Uh, he filled in at second base a lot when Logan Forsythe was hurt. You know, if you actually think Gonzalez might play first base and push Bellinger to the outfield, maybe Taylor's the second baseman in the playoffs. I, I don't know where he'll be, but he will play. He will be a big part of this team, which is amazing for a guy who was traded for a you know faltering quad A pitcher a year ago in a trade nobody noticed or cared about. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I also find interesting about Taylor um, is that he went to U- University of Virginia, which is like a notoriously weird place for hitting prospects because it's at least traditionally was one of the best, or I should say worst parks for hitting home runs in college baseball. So even like in the early 2000s before like the crazy bat regulations went into effect, like even guys who went on to hit a lot of home runs in the major leagues had trouble hitting home runs there. For example, in 2004, Mark Reynolds, 11 home runs as a junior. Ryan Zimmerman was a sophomore that year, hit one home run. (laughs) The next year, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, as a junior, hit six home runs and went on to be the number four pick in the draft, which obviously goes to tell you that scouts saw something in his swing, and then immediately he came to the big leagues and hit a lot of home runs. So it's, it's, it's a weird place. And so, for example, on that, in 2005 season, UVA, Sean Doolittle... Hit 11 home runs, out-homering Ryan Zimmerman, but then ended up getting drafted as a first baseman, now turned into a reliever, 
who's now teammates with Ryan Zimmerman. Chris Taylor hit seven home runs in three seasons at the University of Virginia and now has 15 in a big Well, and that's, that tells you a couple of things. One is that college baseball park effects are very, very real. Yeah. Uh, and also the kind of player you are at 19 isn't necessarily the kind of player you will be uh, at 28. And Chris Taylor is not the only out-of-nowhere Dodger who's fueling this amazing run. Uh, and we'll tell you about who the next one is in just one second. But first, please do listen to our friends over at the Fantasy 411 podcast. If you want to win your fantasy league this year, no matter if you're playing 10-team head-to-head or 20-team expert dynasty format, Fred Zinke and Matthew Leach will give you the edge. Last week, uh, featuring Fred and Al Melchier of FanRag Sports, they discussed two recent middle infield call-ups who might help your squad and then ran down a few players who you should keep or drop. So before you set your lineup or hit the wire, subscribe to the Fantasy 411 podcast on Apple Podcasts today. Now, if you are a team on pace for 115 wins like the Dodgers, uh, you need more than one guy who offers some unexpected help. And we just talked about Chris Taylor. I think Cody Bellinger falls into that category. No one saw what he was going to do. He's a highly rated prospect. Can we talk about Brandon Morrow for a minute? Brandon Morrow. Yes, let's. Let's talk about Brandon Morrow. Brandon Morrow has had a really, I think, interesting career, right? And the reason we're talking about Brandon Morrow right now is because uh, since he's been called up, uh, he, <laughs> he these stats by Brandon Morrow are like video game stats. Like they're, they're absolutely absurd. He has pitched 24 innings, 31 strikeouts, and four walks. Uh, there have been 288 relievers this year who have faced at least 50 batters. The top two in expected weighted on base, which combines strikeouts, walks, and quality of contact, are both Dodgers. Kenley Jansen, number one at 188. Brandon Morrow, number two at 191, which is insane. He has essentially been the most dominant pitcher, relief pitcher in baseball other than Kenley Jansen, which, you know, that's what the Dodgers needed, more unexpected talent. Now, if you've been following Brandon Morrow's career, you know that he was a top 10 pick, excuse me, a top five pick, in uh, what's become a very interesting 2006 draft. He was the number five overall pick that year to Seattle. Uh, the other top 10 picks that year, well, Clayton Kershaw was in that top 10. Uh, you know, Evan Longoria was in the top 10. Andrew Miller got picked by the Tigers in that top 10. Tim Winsicum was number 10. Max Scherzer was number 11. Now, there's a few high-profile busts there. Greg Reynolds, number two to the Rockies. Not so great. Uh, Billy Roll to the Orioles, number nine. I don't think he ever got above double A even. No. Uh, Drew Stubbs like, had his moments, but, you know, not really a top 10 guy. Brad Lincoln. And, uh, you know, Brandon Morrow certainly is not a Kershaw, and he's not a Longoria, and he's had his moments. You know, he pitched for Seattle and Toronto for eight seasons. Uh, I don't know if you remember, at one point, he threw a one-hitter with 17 strikeouts for Toronto. You really thought he was going to be a guy, but he could never stay healthy. Yeah, he brings back the, uh, the old Bill James thing, signature significance. Basically, the idea that there are certain skills, there are certain things you could do as a baseball player that sort of tell you that someone has greatness within them. Whereas, like, for example, to throw a no-hitter, you can just be lucky. It's like, you know, that's how you get your... Your, your Bud Smith, your Jose Jimenez. Philip Humber. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but to strike out 17 guys in a game, like you look at the list of people who have struck out 17 guys in a game, you're only looking at like elite all-star yeah. level. You're looking at Corey Kluber's, you're looking at Roger Clemens, you're looking at David Scherzer's. Scherzer, like, yeah, so you can't fake it. You can't fake 17 strikeouts. So the fact that he once did that in a game tells you that he's legit. And his first full season in 2008, I remember watching MLB TV late at night, randomly catching a game, him against the Yankees, took a no-hitter into the eighth inning as a rookie, or I think maybe either his full, I don't know if he still had rookie status, but like it was his first full year. And this was like an elite Yankee lineup. This was yeah. still when like... They'd win the World Series the next year. Uh, this is still when like A-Rod Jeter still had it. They met Matsui, Kuno. Jambi. Yeah. So he took a no-hitter into the eighth and was dominant. I remember watching the game. And, okay, this is the guy that was the number five overall pick. He's had some arm issues, you know, so like... 
he has a laundry list of injuries, which I happen to have right here. We will just go through them very quickly. A biceps tendonitis in 09, forearm inflammation in 11, an oblique strain in 12, nerve entrapment in 2013, a torn tendon sheath in his finger in 2014, shoulder impingement in 2015, and valley fever. This guy went with last year. It almost sounds like he was cursed. And, and, you know, he lost a lot of weight last year. He couldn't get in shape. We've seen that happen. Now. I think Ike Davis had valley fever at one point. Like, this is really can knock you on your behind in terms of conditioning. I think conditioning. it's uh, uh, Connor Jackson, too. Connor, oh, yeah, Connor Jackson that basically ended his career. Um, and then Morrow, you know, signs with the Dodgers as a minor league free agent this year. Doesn't even make the team. A total afterthought. Doesn't even come up until May 29th. So for the first two months of the season, he's in the minor leagues. Nobody is thinking about Brandon Morrow. Uh, and as I said, he's come up and basically been one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball uh you know as far as relievers go he has had seven pitches of 100 miles an hour or more this year that ranks extremely highly i looked at 422 pitchers who threw at least 50 fastballs this year and last year his velocity jump of 2.8 miles per hour is the second biggest and most of the other guys on that list are starter to reliever conversions but not him i think that actually probably goes back to just his health right like he, he wasn't able to work out last year and you know you never know based on his history how long can you trust him uh, but you have to feel – I know it's only 24 innings, right? But you have to feel pretty good about him as your eighth inning guy for the Dodgers right I now. mean, assuming he's a guy that, like, as long as he's healthy, I would fully expect him to continue to be – and that's obviously a big if, but as, as long as he's down the mound, I would fully expect him to be uh, a dominant relief. And they kind of needed him because Pedro Baez was probably the eighth inning guy. And, you know, I think he's better than people think he is, but absolutely nobody trusts him. He will always give up a home run at the worst possible time, even though he gets a lot of strikeouts. Um, so there you go. Look at the Dodgers with two guys out of nowhere to go with just a never-ending uh, Trevor Trove of talent. Uh, they're not the only ones, right? So, for example, Kansas City. I think uh, if you look at the Kansas City bullpen over the last couple of years, you think Holland, he's gone. Davis is gone. Hochevar is gone. Uh, Herrera is still there, but he's not really having his best year. Maybe the most interesting Kansas City reliever this year is Mike Miner, former Atlanta Braves starter. Mike Miner pitched 100. Also an elite uh, pitching high first round draft like Brandon Morrow. Right. A high first round draft pick, college pitcher as well out of Vanderbilt. Converted the bullpen, and suddenly, hey, what do you know? Velocity is up. So, yeah, Mike Miner was a starter for five years for the Braves. He was the number seven overall pick in 2009. Uh, and, and I, you know, odd run of that Braves era where the, all their pitchers got hurt. I mean, Medlin, Beachy, Venters, all these guys ended up blowing out their arms. I know you want to talk about Johnny Venters, so As here it is. Side, Johnny <laughs> Venters is making a comeback. It's one of my favorite stories of the year. He's now in high class A with the Rays. I looked yesterday, like 10 innings pitched, 13 strikeouts, two walks. Was he four elbow surgeries deep at this point? I don't know, it's... but is, he is a guy to root for. Oh, anyway, yes. back to Mike Miner. Ba- back to Mike Miner. So Mike Miner uh, pitched for the uh, – he was in the rotation for the Braves from 2010 to 2014. Relatively successful at various points as one of the better young starters. Didn't pitch in 2015 or 2016 in the majors uh, due to a shoulder injury. He had labrum surgery. And in a lot of ways, you know, shoulder injuries for a pitcher are, are worse than elbow injuries. You'd almost rather have the Tommy John. Uh, so he signs uh, – with he was with the Royals last year in the minors but never made it back uh, and finally got back this year and if you look at what he's done so far this is his, I think his first year entirely as a reliever he's thrown 44 games uh, in 53 innings he's got 58 strikeouts a 252 ERA and his fastball velocity the last time we saw him in the majors in 2014 91.7 at the time he was already you know having some shoulder issues now 94.7 and we you know I'm healthy and I'm in the bullpen. Here comes velocity. And it's not just uh, velocity with him, though. It's, it's actually incredibly high fastball spin, which in 2014, when he was starting, none of us really knew or cared about it. Like, we had no way to measure it because we didn't have this online on 2015. Uh, if you look at all of the pitchers who have thrown 104 seam fastballs this year, of which there are 423, 
Our old friends Carl Edwards is at number one for fastball spin, uh, just under 2,700. Jose Leclerc from uh, Texas, who's another very interesting guy, number two. Mike Miner, number three, at 2,596 RPM. That is the third highest of 423. And if you have a guy like that, you can put him in the bullpen, say, here's some velocity. You have high fastball spin and basically just throw fastballs and sliders, which is what he's doing 95% of the time. That can actually be a very, very valuable weapon. And, uh, you know, if you just look at the expected weighted on base uh, of all the relievers who have 100 plate appearances against, he's 18th best, which is very, very good. And if you look at just the lefty relievers, he's in the top 10. And uh, these are some, you know, extremely impressive names above him. Doolittle, Miller, Chapman, Rivero, Hand, Minor. That's your top six for lefty relievers. I, I mean... The Royals are back in this thing. Like they have, I think, the easiest schedule down the stretch. And uh, Mike Miner is one of those reasons. uh, You wrote a piece about this week. They basically play the White Sox. Like a, the most of any team yeah. down the stretch. I, I, I came up with a new way to, to weight the strength of schedule. Uh, you know, first, it's not like what the season record is to date because obviously the Dodgers are different now than they were in April. Every team is. The Royals are. And yet, the Every White team Sox. Is more different than they are in April than the White the Sox. The White Sox actually were over 500 in April. People forget that now. 13 and 10. Now, Frazier's gone. Katana's gone. Robertson's gone, et cetera, et cetera. And they have lost four of their last 27 games since July 4th. For the right reasons, obviously they have really infused that farm system. What did I say? Lost? It's literally the opposite of that. They have lost twenty-three of their last twenty-seven. Anyway, they are blowing it up. They've really infused their farm system. They're not a good team right now, and the Royals get to play them more than anybody else. Advantage Royals, right? So that's a big thing, and Mike Miner, obviously, being a big part of that. Um, We have to talk about Chad Green because I I remember Chad Green is kind of the guy who started this idea off and. I didn't really know much about him. I think uh, there was at least a moment where it's like, what what team does Chad Green play for? Chad Green has actually been fantastic for the Yankees. Uh, Chad Green didn't even get called up until May 9th. He has pitched in 25 games, a 174 ERA, uh, a 229 FIP, and not only that, a 39% strikeout rate. Now, what does a 39% strikeout rate mean? 370 pitchers have thrown 40 innings. And if you look at all the leaders in strikeout rates, uh, top six, Kimbrell, Corey Kniebel, Jansen, Tommy Conley, Batances, Chad Green. Like the Yankees needed another dominant late-inning reliever. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit that I had uh, totally confused Chad Green with Shane Green as another guy who'd gone, been traded between the Yankees and the uh, Tigers at least once. So I was definitely, I've definitely confused them in my head before, but I will no longer do that because Chad Green, as it turns out, is uh, getting swing strikes with the best of them. Yeah, Chad Green was in the trade that sent uh, Justin Wilson, who we've talked about a lot, to Detroit a couple years ago, and uh, he was in the fifth starter competition this year. Actually, had his season ended early last year thanks to a strained UCL, and uh, you know he comes back this year. He's healthy, and you know as you said, dominant. His expected weighted on base dropped from 357 last year to 254. This year, that's huge. You know, it's funny because, like, you know, when Justin Wilson started to emerge with the Tigers, there was a lot of, you know, some amongst, you know, certain segments of Yankee fans lamenting, like, oh, if only we had Justin, still Justin Wilson, what, you know, he shakes their fist, but they have Chad Green, and now they've since added a few other dominant relievers, and uh, there was a, there was a, there was a piece, I think Jared Diamond did uh, last week in the Wall Street Journal, basically said that if the Yankees get to the postseason, they may have, like, like if you use like the recent Royals or whatever as the model, or and the Indians last year, like they may have the best roster in the American League for the postseason because their bullpen is just crazy. Deep. If if Batances can throw strikes, which yes. has been an issue lately, but otherwise they had immaculate inning the other day. Well, sure, but yeah, you're right because their bullpen is is what Chapman, Robertson, Batances, Conley, Green, 
Warren, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody else who's really, really good. But right there, that's like five or six extremely impressive names. Um, and then, you know, if you look at his four-seam fastball, by the way, he has the second highest swinging strike percentage on it and the lowest batting average against. And uh, that is, uh, you know, like we said, the Yankees are just overflowing with bullpen talent right now. Let's go to Arizona. So I actually wrote about the Diamondbacks uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, last year's Diamondbacks team, not so great. It got the entire front office fired. Uh, and a lot of the problem there was they had the second worst starting rotation ERA in baseball. It was actually the worst starting rotation ERA in Diamondbacks history. And remember, they once had a team that lost 111 games. Uh, so not so good. And that was, you know, disappointment because they'd spent all this money on Zach Greinke. They traded for Shelby Miller. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't so good. And it was pretty clear to see how they were going to fix that coming into the season. They got some catchers who could actually frame the ball. Uh, they got their outfield healthy. They were no longer playing converted infielders in the outfield. Those things have helped immensely. Uh, but the two guys I want to talk about here, I, I think it's actually kind of interesting because they switched roles a little bit. Archie Bradley uh, kind of goes with the type that we've been talking about. Former high draft pick, couldn't really cut it as a starter, moved to the bullpen, got huge uh, velocity booth, boost and is dominant. But then Zach Godley, who's the other guy I want to talk about, kind of did exactly the opposite. So let's talk about Bradley uh, real quick. Number seven overall pick in 2011, I'm right? sensing a theme here about uh, high draft pick uh, yeah. pitchers coming to the bullpen and suddenly becoming dominant. Well, I think I said earlier that Brandon Morrow had the second highest velocity jump of anybody in baseball this year. Well, the first highest velocity jump of anybody is plus 3.2 miles an hour for Archie Bradley, who you know was a failed starter last year, lost the number five competition to Patrick Corbin this year, and you know went to the bullpen and added just a ton of velocity. It's kind of hard to see him ever going back to the rotation at this point. I mean, why would you bother, right? You have a guy who can go multiple innings uh, and dominate out of the bullpen. Last year, or excuse me, over the last two years, uh, 2015 and 16, he started 34 games, 518 ERA. This year, 49 innings, a 1.45 ERA, a 57 to 10 strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, strikeout percentage is up. His walk rate is cut in half from 10 to 5%. And uh, he's basically throwing fastballs and curveballs. This, this is the perfect template for like a guy converting from failed starter to a uh, successful reliever. Adding the velocity, basically being able to narrow his repertoire to basically just being a two-pitch guy. And as a result of only having to rely on the two pitches that he commands the best, the walk rate goes way down. Well, that's the other thing. We like to talk about the velocity, uh, but it's also, yeah, hey, those third and fourth pitches that aren't very good, but you feel like you have to throw them as a starter, forget about it. Just throw the two pitches you're good at, throw as hard as you can, and don't worry about guys seeing you a second or third time through. Exactly. Because that doesn't happen. And, and like, you know, most guys add like a, a tick, you know, mile per hour. He's at a, a three miles per hour to his fastball. Yeah. It's like we're talking like ninety two to ninety five and a half. Or I don't think he's ever going to be a starting pitcher. I, I couldn't imagine why you would ever want him to be. Uh, Godley is kind of interesting because he's the exact opposite. He was a tenth round pick of the Cubs in twenty thirteen, uh, and was traded in the Miguel Montero deal a couple years ago. Last year, got into twenty seven games, nine starts, six thirty nine ERA, not so great. Um, this year, he actually started the year in the minors and joined the rotation in May after Shelby Miller was injured and Braden Shipley you know, did not have a good start filling in. So he started 15 games, 286 ERA, 96 strikeouts and 94 innings. Uh, among starters who have thrown as many innings as he has, he has a top 10 grounder rate to pair with a top 20 strikeout rate. And I know what you're thinking right now. This is a guy who misses a lot of bats and he gets a lot of contact on the ground. I bet you he's got a really good expected weighted on base. And if you weren't thinking that, you know, you should have been. So uh, if you look at 158 starters with 200 plate appearances, he's in the top 10 of the expected weighted on base. And if you want to be impressed by some names, here's what the top 10 of that list looks like right now. Number one, Scherzer, then Sale, then Paxton, 
and then Kershaw and Kluber. I mean, that's your top five. Then those you can make a good case for that being the five best starters in baseball right now, which is why I really like this metric because it does a really good job of telling you who's doing a great job. Number six is Zach Greinke. Okay. Uh, number seven, Alex Wood, who's had a phenomenal season. Number eight, Dallas Keuchel. Sure. Number nine, Zach Godley. You could make a pretty good argument that he has been one of the 10 best starters in baseball this year for a guy who had an ERA over six last year working out of the bullpen. You don't see that kind of switch very often. Yeah, and seeing two Diamondbacks pitchers in the top 10 right there, well, that, that tells you a lot. Oh, it, t- it tells you a lot. Remember, that's just quality of contact um, and strikeouts. So the, the better pitch framing, Jeff Matthews, that would help there. But that doesn't even account for the better outfield defense, which they've obviously had. For sure. So that, you know, it's, it's two different things. Um, I also like the secondary list. And, uh, you know, breaking our own rule here of not trying to talk about Luis Perdomo every week, but we're going to right here. Uh, of those same starting pitchers, the lowest launch angle, uh, Zach Godley is the eighth lowest. Keuchel is the lowest at negative 1.6. Uh, Luis Perdomo, number three, and a lot of ground ball guys. Stroman's on the list. Sonny Gray's on the list. And then Zach Godley basically just throwing a sinker and a curve. He cut out his cutter. And he is something like a Zach Britton in the rotation, I guess, which is weird because Zach Britton couldn't cut it in the rotation. <laughs> so I don't so know. Go figure. He's uh, he's been really interesting to me. So you know, those are what do we say, like five or six guys that we talked about. You could probably come up with like two or three for each team. Um, but you know, for all the time we spend talking about like Aaron Judge and everybody, I, I think it's interesting. Like, it's not just the superstars who fuel your team to the playoffs. You got to have unexpected contributions to either cover for injury or just boost you to a higher level than you thought you would have been otherwise. And, you know, obviously the Dodgers being the best example of sort of taking a bunch the star performances and then throwing in guys like Morrow and Taylor on top of that, and suddenly you have a team that's challenging the all-time wins record. Uh, yeah, I mean, their seventh best starter is like Brandon McCarthy right now, which is absurd, you know? Uh, so we are going to induct another play into our Hall of Fame for the week. Yes. And um, you are excited about this, and I'm going to let you introduce it. Giancarlo Stanton has been on fire for like six weeks, but one of his most recent home runs really stood out. Yes, it was last night, and we'll, we were just talking about some of the no-names. Well, we got two big names for you. Last night, it was a, uh, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon, Monday night. There was only seven games on the schedule, but one of the more interesting matchups was Max Scherzer pitching against the Marlins and Giancarlo Stanton, because as you said, Stanton has basically been the hottest hitter uh, in, uh, in baseball this year. I think I saw, it was on Sunday, Andrew Simon posted this on Twitter, the highest... Uh, Expected weighted on base since the All-Star game. Uh, John Carlos Stanton, number one. Charlie Blackman, number two. Just a reminder that the Home Run Derby does not ruin <laughs> <your> <laughs> Anyway. I, I fully support that. Back to last night. So, fourth inning, John Carlos Stanton comes up. 3-2 pitch. Up and away, but in the zone. It's fastball from Max Scherzer. 95.7 miles per hour with a spin rate of 2601 RPMs. Swing and a miss, swings right through it. Right. And that's very high spin, that's right? I mean, this is Scherzer's spin. game. High spin, high velocity. High spin, high four-seam fastball. As, as I've sort of used the rule of thumb before, for a four-seam fastball, 2,500 is sort of the, for a starting pitcher, is the cutoff for like a lead. There's only like four or five guys that average, four or five starting pitchers that average above 2,500 on a four-seamer. And I think it's Scherzer, Verlander, Darvish, and I can't remember who the fourth is. I think it's four guys. You see some other relievers, as, as we mentioned before, but they're coming in in short spurts. Um, so for him, 2601 is a, is a high end spin rate for Max Scherzer. Two innings later, Stanton comes back up, 3 1 pitch. Scherzer throws the exact same pitch. Now I watched these videos back to back. Exact, right? As you said, an identical 95.7 miles an hour. 95.7 miles an hour, exactly. 2658 spin rate RPM. So on a rate. negligible difference. Negligible, actually, a little higher in this case. And usually the high spin rate, that's what gives it the rising fastball effect. You get a lot of swings and misses. Um, 
in fact, 95 miles per hour and 2,600 spin rate, uh, 2,600 plus spin rate, the league uh, has a 29.5%. So one-third of the time when they swing, they miss at that pitch across the league. This time, Stanton was waiting for it. And, and not only the same velocity and RPMs, almost the exact same Maybe location. Maybe a fraction of an inch. Yeah. Uh, so he went back to the well. <laughs> Stanton was waiting for it. And he's like, nope. <laughs> Moonshot, off the bat, 107 miles per hour, 35-degree launch angle, 410 feet away, home run. It was the highest four-seam spin rate that Stanton has homered off since that cast was introduced in the... Uh, in, in the 2015 season. So I thought that was pretty cool. That was, was pretty cool. Mano a mano, two, two superstars. Uh, the one adjusted and hit a home run. The Nats eventually won the game, of course. But Stanton, who now who tied his career high with 37 home runs. Kind of amazing and reminds you how Stanton has been banged up in his career. He now has 37 home runs. He hit 37 in 14 and in 2012. He's obviously going to surpass this year, but this is his career high. It almost felt like we wrote him off a little bit. Because remember last year he had that stretch where he struck out like i don't know 50% for like six solid weeks he was atrocious and then Aaron Judge came up this year and kind of took a lot of the helium out of that you know i'm an enormous right fielder who crushes baseballs and you know John Carlos Stanton is here to remind you uh, when healthy he is still you know if not the best in the game pretty close to it and, and I, I really liked this sequence by the way just like the exact same pitches here's here's Scherzer blowing you away and here's Stanton saying don't try that again um and I, if um now is a th- i think a three home lead Homer edge on on uh, on Judge as we record this for the uh, major league lead. I hope to see Stanton get 50 homers because you know it's about time Stanton has a 50 homer season. I, I you know what I think if he's healthy this is going to be the year he does it. Uh, so that is our show for this week. I am your host Mike Petriello. This is Matt Myers. Uh, we will catch you next week. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.